Welcome to Conference Coverage Highlights, presented by ReachMD on XM160 and powered by Health Day. Conference Coverage Highlights features the latest clinical information and research findings presented during the American College of Cardiology's 58th Annual Scientific Session, which took place March 29th through 31st in Orlando, Florida. Highlights from the conference included studies on the use of high doses of statins before percutaneous coronary intervention, the use of bare metal stents in older patients, and an implantable device that helps prevent stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation. In two studies, Italian researchers gave high doses of atorvastatin to patients within 24 hours of undergoing percutaneous coronary intervention. The first study was conducted in statin-naive patients. The study was called Naples II. Researchers randomly assigned 668 patients to receive 80 milligrams of atorvastatin or no atorvastatin. The high dose of atorvastatin was associated with significantly lower rates of periprocedural myocardial infarction compared with no atorvastatin. Specifically, about 10% of patients taking atorvastatin experienced infarction compared with about 16% of patients who didn't take a statin. Also, high dose atorvastatin was associated with lower rates of troponin elevation greater than three times the upper limit of normal. Approximately 27% of patients taking atorvastatin experienced troponin elevation compared with approximately 39% of patients not taking the medication. The second study, Armida Recapture, was conducted in patients who were already taking statins. Investigators randomly assigned 352 patients to receive either a high dose of atorvastatin or placebo. They found that atorvastatin was associated with a 48% lower risk of major adverse cardiac events after one month. These included cardiac death, myocardial infarction, or unplanned revascularization. The researchers say these findings could change current clinical practice. High doses of atorvastatin could be given to all patients who undergo percutaneous coronary intervention, regardless of whether they're already taking statins. Another study compared outcomes in more than 200,000 Medicare patients who received drug-eluting stents and more than 45,000 Medicare patients who received bare metal stents. Researchers at Duke University and their colleagues found that drug-eluting stents were associated with significantly lower adjusted rates of death and myocardial infarction after two and a half years. 13.5% of patients with drug-eluting stents died, compared with 16.5% of patients with bare metal stents. 7.5% of patients with drug-eluting stents experienced myocardial infarction compared with approximately 9% of patients with bare metal stents. Drug-eluting stents were not associated with an increase in bleeding or stroke during the study. The researchers concluded that drug-eluting stents seemed to be safe and effective in community practice in the elderly population. However, longer follow-up studies are needed. A late-breaking trial evaluated the Watchman device. The trial was called the Embolic Protection in Patients with Atrial Fibrillation Trial, or PROTECT-AF. The Watchman device is a fabric-covered, expandable nitinol cage used to block blood clots that typically form in the left atrial appendage during atrial fibrillation. Patients with atrial fibrillation have a six-fold increased risk of stroke and require long-term anticoagulation therapy. The study showed that the Watchman device helps prevent stroke in patients with atrial fibrillation. Researchers randomly assigned 707 patients to receive either the Watchman device or standard warfarin therapy. The Watchman group had a 32% lower risk of stroke and cardiovascular death and fewer complications like hemorrhagic strokes and major bleeding than the warfarin group. 
An interventional cardiologist implants the device in the heart by guiding it through a catheter inserted in a vein in the upper leg. The catheter is threaded into the right atrium and then into the left atrium through a puncture in the wall separating the two upper chambers of the heart. The Watchman device is released into the left atrial appendage and stays permanently in place to block blood clots. There are complications associated with implanting the device, but patients who use it can avoid chronic warfarin therapy. Warfarin can cause serious bleeding in some patients, and it can require them to restrict certain physical activities. The trial investigators observed about twice as many procedure-related complications in patients treated with the device than in those treated with warfarin. However, after the Watchman device was implanted, patients had a 60% lower rate of complications. Another important finding was that fish oil does not appear to help heart attack patients who receive optimal medical care. Previous studies had suggested that fish oil supplements are beneficial. In the OMEGA trial, researchers in Germany randomly assigned more than 3,800 patients to receive either a highly purified omega-3 fatty acid supplement or placebo several days after having a heart attack. Most of the patients received beta blockers, a statin, and aspirin, as well as ACE inhibitors and clopidogrel. After a year, the researchers found no significant differences between the two groups in the rates of death, myocardial infarction, nonlethal stroke, or sudden cardiac death. Omega-3 fatty acids are thought to be effective for improving prognosis after acute myocardial infarction, but no randomized double-blind trial has tested their effect on top of guideline-based treatment. This study showed that patients who are already receiving optimal medical therapy have low rates of cardiac events, and omega-3 does not lower them further. The JUPITER trial showed that healthy men and women who achieve low levels of both low-density lipoprotein cholesterol and high-sensitivity C-reactive protein while taking a statin dramatically lowers their risk of heart attack, stroke, need for bypass surgery, or cardiovascular death. The findings fit into one of the meeting's main themes, the prevention of atherosclerotic disease. The study analysis included more than 15,000 individuals who had LDL levels that were lower than the cutoff level for receiving statin therapy under current guidelines. Researchers evaluated the effects of 20 milligrams of the statin rosuvastatin versus placebo on the rates of heart attack, stroke, hospitalization for unstable angina, arterial revascularization, or cardiovascular death. After five years, the Jupiter researchers found that patients treated with rosuvastatin who achieved target LDL levels of less than 70 mg per liter and HSCRP levels of less than 2 mg per liter had a 65% reduced cardiovascular risk. Patients who achieved either one or none of these goals had only 36% reduced risk. Results were even more impressive among individuals who achieved more aggressive LDL and HSCRP levels. Those who achieved LDL levels of less than 70 mg per liter and HSCRP levels of less than 1 mg per liter had an 80% reduction in cardiovascular risk. A person can be at risk for heart disease or stroke even if their cholesterol is low. The investigators say their data indicate that lowering both inflammation and cholesterol are important for heart health. Statins appear to be able to achieve both. A simple non-invasive finger sensor test can predict major cardiac events in people who are considered at low or moderate risk. The device is called the EndoPAT, and it measures the health of endothelial cells by measuring blood flow. If the cells don't function properly, it can set the stage of atherosclerosis and lead to major cardiovascular problems. Researchers at the Mayo Clinic and Tufts New England Medical Center in Boston used the device to test 270 patients and followed their progress for seven years. These patients already knew that they had a low to medium risk of experiencing a major heart event based on their risk score developed from the Framingham Heart Study.
Some other risk factors included high blood pressure, high cholesterol, obesity, and a family history of heart disease. Almost half of the patients whose endopat test indicated poor endothelial function had a cardiac event during the study. The test might be developed as another risk assessment tool beyond the Framingham risk score. The finger test might also help physicians change a patient's medications or try other therapies so they don't have a heart attack or stroke later on. Endopat received approval from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration in 2003. It consists of digital recording equipment and two finger probes that look like large thimbles. The test takes 15 minutes. Probes are placed on each index finger and hooked up to a machine to measure blood flow. A standard blood pressure cuff is placed on one arm. A reading of the finger's blood flow rate begins, and the blood pressure cuff is inflated for a few minutes and then deflated. Three timed readings are taken. The role of the inflated blood pressure cuff is to block and then release blood flow to assess reactive hyperemia, the normal blood flow response that occurs after the cuff is released. A low reactive hyperemia score indicates poor endothelial function. A study published in the New England Journal of Medicine to coincide with the American College of Cardiology scientific sessions revealed that adding clopidogrel to aspirin reduces the risk of major vascular events in atrial fibrillation patients who are not candidates for warfarin therapy. However, the study also found that adding clopidogrel to aspirin increases the risk of major hemorrhage in these patients. The trial included more than 7,500 patients with atrial fibrillation who had an increased risk of stroke and for whom vitamin K antagonist therapy was unsuitable. Patients were randomly assigned to receive 75 milligrams of clopidogrel or placebo once daily in addition to aspirin. The primary outcome was the composite of stroke, myocardial infarction, non-central nervous system systemic embolism, or death from vascular causes. After an average of more than three and a half years of follow-up, major vascular events that occurred in 832 patients receiving clopidogrel and 924 patients receiving placebo. That translates to a 0.89 relative risk with clopidogrel. The difference was primarily due to a reduced rate of stroke with clopidogrel. Major bleeding occurred in 251 patients receiving clopidogrel and in 162 patients receiving placebo for a relative risk of 1.57 with clopidogrel. A polypill could significantly reduce cardiovascular events in otherwise healthy patients. The pill is a combination of three blood pressure-lowering drugs at low doses, with a statin, aspirin, and folic acid. The findings appear in an article published in The Lancet to coincide with the American College of Cardiology's conference. Researchers in India conducted a double-blind trial, including more than 2,000 individuals without cardiovascular disease and with one risk factor. Patients were randomly assigned to a polypill called the polycap, consisting of low doses of thiazide, atenolol, ramipril, simvastatin, and aspirin taken daily, or to eight other groups, aspirin alone, simvastatin alone, hydrochlorothiazide alone, three combinations of the two blood pressure-lowering drugs, three blood pressure-lowering drugs alone, or three blood pressure-lowering drugs plus aspirin. The investigators found that the polycap reduced systolic and diastolic blood pressure to a similar extent as when three blood pressure-lowering drugs were used. Polycap reduced LDL cholesterol by 0.70 millimoles per liter, which was less than that with simvastatin alone. The reductions in 11-dehydrothromboxine B2 were similar with the polycap compared with the three blood pressure-lowering drugs plus aspirin and aspirin alone. Early use of eptifibotide does not lead to better outcomes in patients with acute coronary syndromes. That was the conclusion of a study published in the New England Journal of Medicine. 
Researchers compared a strategy of early routine administration of eptifibatide 12 hours or more before angiography with delayed provisional administration of eptifibatide. The study included more than 9,000 patients who had acute coronary syndromes without ST segment elevation and who were assigned to an invasive strategy. Patients were randomly assigned to receive either early eptifibatide or a matching placebo infusion with provisional use of eptifibatide after angiography. The primary efficacy endpoint was a composite of death, myocardial infarction, recurrent ischemia requiring urgent revascularization, or the occurrence of a thrombotic complication during percutaneous coronary intervention at 96 hours. The primary endpoint occurred in 9.3% of patients in the early eptifibatide group and in 10% in the delayed eptifibatide group. After one month, the rate of death or myocardial infarction was 11.2% in the early eptifibatide group compared with 12.3% in the delayed eptifibatide group. Patients in the early eptifibatide group had significantly higher rates of bleeding and red cell transfusion. There was no significant difference between the two groups in rates of severe bleeding or non-hemorrhagic serious adverse events. Another study published in the New England Journal of Medicine found that the statin rosuvastatin lowers levels of LDL cholesterol in hemodialysis patients, but it does not reduce mortality. Researchers conducted an international multi-center randomized double-blind prospective trial involving more than 2,700 patients who were undergoing maintenance hemodialysis. Patients received 10 milligrams of rosuvastatin or placebo daily. The combined primary endpoint was death from cardiovascular causes, non-fatal myocardial infarction, or non-fatal stroke. After three months, LDL cholesterol levels were reduced by an average of 43% in patients receiving rosuvastatin. During a median follow-up of 3.8 years, there was no significant difference between the two groups in terms of the primary endpoint. Rosuvastatin also had no effect on individual components of the primary endpoint. There was also no significant effect on all-cause mortality. Combination surgery of coronary artery bypass grafting with surgical ventricular reconstruction may not be beneficial for patients with heart failure. Researchers studied 1,000 patients with an ejection fraction of 35% or less, coronary artery disease that was amenable to cabbage, and dominant anterior left ventricular dysfunction that was amenable to surgical ventricular reconstruction. Patients were randomly assigned to either cabbage alone or cabbage with surgical ventricular reconstruction. The primary outcome was a composite of death from any cause and hospitalization for cardiac causes. After a median follow-up of 48 months, investigators found that surgical ventricular reconstruction reduced the end systolic volume index by 19% compared with a reduction of 6% with cabbage alone. Cardiac symptoms and exercise tolerance improved from baseline to a similar degree in the two study groups. However, no significant difference was observed in the primary outcome. The two groups had similar rates of death and hospitalization for cardiac causes. These findings were published in the New England Journal of Medicine to coincide with the American College of Cardiology Scientific Session. Thank you for listening to conference coverage highlights from the American College of Cardiology's 58th Annual Scientific Session, held March 29th through 31st in Orlando, Florida. Conference coverage highlights is a presentation of ReachMD Radio, broadcast on XM160 and by live stream at ReachMD.com, and powered by Health Day.